And we're back, Make Do Suburban Fireman Podcast, episode 44. I'm your host, Nick Peppard. I am Seanless at the moment. Uh, hopefully, he'll be able to jump in here today. But uh, we're joined today by our good friend, Dave McGlynn, hailing out of the great state of New Jersey. And yes, I've got to throw the Jersey reference in there because he is uh, an OG Jersey guy. Welcome to the show, Dave. <laughs> Thank you, brother. I appreciate it. OG Jersey guy. Yeah, that's me. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> So, uh, we're going to start the episode like we always do. I'm going to, you know, ask you uh, a little bit about yourself, kind of where you started in the fire service and kind of your journey along the path to where you're at today. I know, obviously, you're in Jersey, so Jersey Shore, you like long walks on the beach. You probably have been part uh, or been carjacked a time or two. I cursed out a few people on the freeway, and I know that Sean Duffy loves embracing you from behind. Is that about right? (laughs) It sums it up. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> oh, man. But yeah, tell, tell us a little bit about yourself, bro. Uh, I appreciate it. So, uh, one, thank you for having me on. Um, so, uh, so Dave McGlynn, uh been doing this uh, a little over 22 years. I uh, started out um, in the Island section of Woodbridge Township as a volunteer. Uh, took a bunch of tests. Tried to get in the system uh, locally for uh, some of the cities. Uh, and then the dream job was to work for the FDMY. It was like, if you made it to the FDMY, you, you made it, right? Uh, buddies of mine got hired up there, friends of mine, relatives. Um, I, I just couldn't, I couldn't get on. Um, I wasn't taking the, the test serious enough, I guess. I don't know, I, whatever it was. So a buddy of mine worked for the federal government. Uh, he helped me get my resume set up correctly. I started applying for some jobs, and um, I got hired in Maine at the Naval Air Station Brunswick Fire Department, which was weird. Uh, the base had closed. I ended up in Pennsylvania as a firefighter uh, before getting promoted to captain. Then West Point had the training chief job open. I applied, and um, with full transparency, I was uh, blunt honest in my interview. I didn't know that they were going to give me the job. I I, I thought they wouldn't because it was, you know, it was West Point. Um, they offered me the job. And then I said to my wife, I was like, oh, like, they offered me the job. Like, what do we do? So she's like, take the job. Like, you know, how do you pass it up? So I uh, took the job. Uh, I was there running the, the, the training program there as the training chief for uh, like a little over four years. The thing about West Point is people don't realize, like, West Point has everything. Uh, so they do like city style firefighting, military style firefighting. They have the Hudson River. They have mountains around there. They they do hazmat. They do confined space. They do high angle rescue. Uh, they do water rescue, uh, boat rescue, boat you know uh, b- uh, marine firefighting, structural firefighting. They do it all. They got truck a you know, truck company with a tower ladder. They got a squad company, a rescue company, an engine company. And West Point was awesome. Uh, and, uh, I, I, I definitely came into myself being there and, and, um, doing training there and grew more, developed more as a leader, as a, as a person who, who understood and, and, and was responsible for designing a training program. Uh, some years later, there was uh, an opportunity to get an assistant fire chief's job at a base called letter Kenny, uh, which is in, uh, in PA. Uh, so I took the job and, um, I enjoyed, uh, 
doing that. I was doing training um, as an assistant chief. Uh, and then I got the ops chief job. And now I'm actually the interim fire chief, uh, which is not easy. Uh, you know, I always joke this. Everybody wants to be chief until they're the chief. Uh, so I love what I'm doing. I love it. I have a great group of guys, but, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's not been, it's not been easy to say the least. Uh, you know, everything that I've done has been a, a bit of, a, it's come with a, a, its own set of challenges, but I think that there's merit to that. Nothing was easy. And I think that's why I appreciate it that much more. You know, it's like when your dad, like when you get your license, your dad makes you buy your own car or, or pay for your own insurance. Like you take care of your car a little more than your friends do. So like, I think like, because my journey wasn't typical because I was, you know, I was volunteering for almost eight years before I got on the job before, because I had to move all around. I, I truly, and I'm not trying to sound geeky when I say it, I just, I truly love what I do. Cause, cause uh, it, I've invested a lot of me and my family's time into doing it. So it's been an odd journey, but but nonetheless, it's been an awesome one. Yeah, you know what? I mean, that's the thing about it. Everybody's everybody's path is a little different, right? I mean, uh, you know, sometimes life has a way of throwing you curveballs or changing things up, you know, taking you on a different journey, different path. And, you know, you look back at those different chapters of your career, your life, things like that. And it's whom you know, it's who you are, right? It's what makes you you. And, uh, you know, those, those perspectives are, are your own and they're unique, you know, and I think like I respect the hell out of that. Cause I mean, to me, like I said, you know, you, you own your journey and, and because like you said, you worked hard to get to where you're at, right. You're, you're working, moving around, moving your family, doing stuff. I mean, to try to, to try to keep uh, growing and, and being better, man, like that's, there's a lot to be said for that, you know, and sometimes, like you said, people, if you get a hand to you on a silver platter and everything comes easy, you don't always necessarily appreciate uh, where you're at, right? You don't really soak in like, oh man, like, you know, I really love this. I mean, I worked my ass off to get here and it's, it's like, I think like, you know, I look at guys that, uh, you know, some, some guys have it easier than others. Some guys, you know, move up faster or whatever. And, you know, I'm not saying they don't appreciate the job, the guys love the job, but I think when you, when you have to really, you know, have a little patience and, and perseverance and stick through stuff, man, like that makes, that makes the, the, the you know, getting to the destination that much better. Right. Yeah. So, um, you know, to me, man, like I said, hats off to you for being willing to take the gamble. A lot of guys aren't willing to do, you know, a lot of guys, you know, I ain't moving across the country or I'm not moving to a different state or, you know, uh, I'm not going to put in, I'm not going to, you know, put in for that job because I probably won't get it. Uh, and, and sometimes, like I said, you just, you don't know, you don't know if you don't, you know, you're not gonna hit the ball if you don't swing the bat and you know, you, <laughs> it's kind of one of those things you got to shoot your shot, right? Sometimes you gotta, you gotta put it all out there and see what happens. And, and you know what, if, if doors open, uh, it can be scary, right? That's a big, it's a big change to be like, Hey, I'm moving departments or I'm moving out of state or, you know, especially with the family and stuff. But, but at the end of the day, man, if you, uh, you know, those opportunities come along and you seize them, you take those opportunities in stride. I mean, a lot of times you look back and like, yeah, in the moment it's kind of like, Holy cow, like, what do I do? But when you get there, you're like, man, this worked out perfectly. It's, it's exactly where I'm supposed to be. Right. Right. I, I totally agree with that. You know, it's a, it makes it, it makes it, it worth the investment. You know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of dudes out there. There's a lot of people out there uh, that maybe are afraid to, to take on that, um, you know, take, take that leap. <clears throat> So like, look at you and Sean, you know, uh, you guys moved, 
You know, you moved your family, you guys moved around chasing parts of your career to do what you're doing. You know, like it's, it's not, it's not typically the most common thing, but it's also not uncommon. And I, and I, I think I share that at least in, in relevance to what we're talking about is because I think that sometimes people, um, they get complacent, um, or they're too afraid to, to get out of their comfort zone. And, uh, and then they, they, they start the blame game, you know, it's like, oh, well, so-and-so got the job, but I mean, it's because his family knew this one or that one. And, and sometimes that shit's true. Like, I know that's true. I grew up in Jersey, you know, like, it was, it, it, Jersey is as political as it gets, bro. There's people that got jobs because their dad grew up with the mayor or they greased somebody's palm, you know, it just is what it is. Um, but nonetheless, like, it doesn't mean you give up. If you love doing this, if you love being part of it, if it's something that you're passionate about. Uh, sometimes you got to move around. And I think that that's okay because I don't even think I know that's okay because with no arrogance, I feel like the things I know are a little more versatile and makes me a little more prepared than the average person because I've been in so many different places because I was here, there, and everywhere that I was able to, to adjust to different cultures, different demographics, different mindsets, um, different tactics that has made me be more open-minded to, to how I execute skills and how, and what I want out of my people. If I offer them a new skill, it's cause I seen it work somewhere else and we can use it here. Um, and I think that, that there's huge merit. And a lot of people that become complacent, they, they don't realize that. It's like the FDNY. Like, even though the city is, is, is uh, you know, it's one city, right? The city's huge. It's enormous. When you get promoted, you get promoted outside of the company that you were a firefighter in. Uh, and sometimes you get promoted outside of what you did. So if you were an engine company firefighter, you might be a lieutenant on a truck, you know, Um that creates that versatility, that necessary versatility. I think that uh, there's huge merit to that. It's what makes it's what makes people a little better prepared. Yeah, I think it gives context and perspective that you wouldn't get otherwise, right? When you get put into a situation where maybe it's not your comfort zone, uh, that's where growth happens, right? Is outside the comfort zone. And when you look at you know the the journey that you take, and, and, and you know myself, I, I can relate to that. Uh, it's not the typical route. Uh, and, and I always joke with people and tell them like, man, I don't know if I'd recommend doing what I did. You know, I mean, I, <laughs> I bounced around a couple of places, but, but what it's done is it's given me, just like you said, per, you know, that perspective, that kind of well-rounded uh, viewpoint of it's not just, you know, if you only know this box, right. And, and you don't know anything else, sometimes it's hard to, to see other ways of doing things or other ways of thinking um, if you've never been exposed to it, right? If you spend 20 years in one place and this is all you know and you never get out, you never travel or you never have worked anywhere else. And, and we see this all the time with, uh, for example, uh, you know, I was a lateral entry up here in Wisconsin, uh, but I got hired with guys that are born and raised there. And, you know, this is the only fire department that, you know, that they've worked at. Um, and, and I work with guys that have only worked in this one department. And I think sometimes, uh, you know, the guys are always like, man, you know, you, you seem to, I don't know, you seem to be a little different of a different mindset than maybe some of the other guys. And it's like, you know, I think a lot of it is you just over time, you develop perspective because you realize like, yeah, there's things we could do better. There's things that we could improve on. 
But when you put it in context, hey, we're we're also farther along than other places I've worked before, you know, and and so the good and the bad, right? So you kind of look at the balance, if you will, and say, hey, you know, yeah, there's some things that we wish were better, but compared to a lot of other guys out there, because I've seen it, I've worked in those places where it's like, man, I would have died to have some of the things that we have now, right? So I think that perspective is huge. And I think learning a diversified skill set, right? Different tactics, different mindsets, different ways of operating um, is is huge because it does broaden you know, your, your perspective, it does kind of give you a wider palette of, of, you know, to kind of understand the job better. And, and like I said, I'm not saying it's, it's the way to do it. Uh, I just would encourage people that, you know, even if I'm not saying you got to move to a different, you know, department to be successful or anything like that, but I mean, you know, if you get opportunities to do something that you really want to do, let's say you're in a department that, Hey, you know what? I've always wanted to go, you know, be on a special operations company or whatever. And my department doesn't have that opportunity and you get that opportunity to take it. You know, I don't think anybody would fault you for chasing a dream and going to do something that, that, you know, you wanted to do for a long time. And, and you know, conversely, uh, you know, if you're in your own department, and you're happy there, man, understand, like, uh, be, be a change agent, be a, an agent to make things better. Don't be the guy that gets stuck in the mud. Like, you know, everything we do sucks and, and our management sucks and, you know, the union right. sucks and all this stuff because it's easy to get negative, right? And, and I think the best remedy for that, if you're not, you know, working, haven't worked someplace else or haven't, uh, you know, been outside that bubble in that sense is to go to training, right? To go to trainings like FDIC and, and some of these regional conferences and all these other, you know, conferences that are out there, man, there's so many of them nowadays. Like get outside of your bubble, mingle with other people, share ideas share you know stories at the at the, t- the table over a cold beer you know have those conversations because what it does is it reinforces the things you're doing well and it shows you maybe some of the you know you have those blind spots everybody has blind spots in their department where they don't necessarily see because that's just you know you can't see the forest because of the trees sometimes and so by rubbing shoulders with guys from all over the country in other firehouses other departments you know you're you're, you're hearing things that uh, are very similar and you're also hearing things that, oh, man, like, hey, you know, I never thought of that. Maybe that would work here, right? And it, it gives you some different things to bring back and say, hey, what can we use here that would work for us? Maybe what's, hey, what's, the guys are bitching about this, but maybe it's not as bad as we think it is. You know, these guys over here, look at these poor fellas, you know, they're dealing with this and that or whatever. Or, hey, you know what? We got a lot of similarities. Like, you know, we're saying this is the, the worst thing in the world. Well, everybody that I've run into is running into the same issues with staffing and recruitment and retention, like all these things right. that guys sit around the table and complain about. Uh, and it just helps keep things uh, kind of from, you know, that 30,000 foot view to step back and look at the big picture. Because, man, to me, like that's that's one of the biggest things with culture and, and you know, leadership is vision, right? Vision to see like the big picture and to see where you're trying to go. And sometimes we don't even realize the progress we make because it's painfully slow. Yes. So that's, you're hundred percent right to say it's a problem. Um, So the problem is, is that because firefighters, um, so like, so like, let's put it in a perspective of, of tactics, right? So most firefighters don't like hazmat. Why? Because hazmat is, hazmat's methodical. Right. It's a, it's not sexy. We like to be able to go, 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 you know. Um, so it's not sexy. Right. But but it's something that we have to do. So we because by nature, we like everything to be readily available. Uh, and then now society, I mean, look at the Internet. Right. So like now society, everything is supposed to be readily available. Um, 
So I think that if we were able to discipline ourselves and take a step back, um, the fact that this is a process uh, shows progress. So, uh, you know, oftentimes uh, at the end of the year, I made a meme or whatever, you know, what you, you like you have a Facebook page, you know, like you know, we all have like these these Facebook page things. So I made like this this little stupid thing that I put out on New Year's every year. And uh, and I've been doing it since I think like 2015 or something. And I put it out every New Year's Eve. And I always say, uh, you know, look back a year ago um, and and see what you've accomplished and be proud of, of, of looking forward to what you're going to accomplish this next year. And I did that for myself. And then I just do it every year because it, it typically it resonates with people because that's a good perspective to put it at. All this shit goes on, like you said. You know, all this stuff goes on uh, and um, we want to see results. We want to know that what we're doing makes sense. Um, sometimes we get impulsive and we leave organizations faster than we need to um, because we're 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 not seeing the, the growth results that we think are supposed to be there in the time frame we think they're supposed to be there. We need to be able to discipline ourselves to look back and appreciate that the process itself is progress. Um, I guarantee if you look back, like you said, 30,000 foot mark, I love that. You know, I call it the bird's eye, you know, you look back, you'll be able to see that there is a significant level of growth compared to what it was just a year ago. It's just, it's, it's just, it's a mathematical certainty. Um, you know, and then in this career, same thing, like, like the, how we got into the conversation just about moving around, like, like. If you're able to stay in a, in the same area and grow as a firefighter, good for you. Uh, that there's nothing wrong with that. Um, and, but how you're able to do that, and, and like you said, Nick, you know how you're able to do that is is by also broadening your horizons, attending these these training conferences, like you said, FDIC, and you know what you got going on with North Florida, and and and, and any of these opportunities that you have to be able to to attend a, a, a training conference, attend a workshop, attend training from a different subject matter expert, from a different person that has a different level of perspective or expertise. Um, you know, I always call them that third party unbiased person, you know, because um, you only know what you know. So if you're only being trained by the same people inside of your local community, not that there's anything wrong with it, it's just understand that you're only knowing this much. Um, it, it would be like we're rolling up on a scene as the IC and not conducting a 360. Like, well, of course you didn't know there was smoke showing from the eaves on the Charlie side. You didn't go to the back, bro. You know? Um, so this is just, uh, even if you get the opportunity to stay in an area where you grew up or whatever, just understand that in our thing, in the fire service, it's extremely beneficial to network and train and learn different perspectives and compare. Just because someone's doing something doesn't mean it's applicable to you, but still learn about what it is that they're doing because then you can, like you said before, you know, I call it exposing the gaps, you know, when you're having that kitchen table conversation. You know, in these conversations, gauges your opinion. Your opinion is based off of your facts, your education, your knowledge, experience, everything like that. Um, so you're able to respond and, and, and engage in this conversation where you have an epiphany, you have a thought. Um, and and that thought is based off of what worked for you. If you don't do stuff like that, 
you will regress. Uh, that's just how education and, 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 and our brains are wired anyway. It's not just the fire service. It's just in life. Like if you don't, you know, practice it, if you don't play with it, uh, you'll lose it. It's, it's just, it's a fact, you know, so you should broaden your horizons. You should, uh, if you have opportunity to grow or, or, or test the waters elsewhere, I encourage you to do so. If you are content and happy and, and life has been lucrative and successful for you in your, in your local community, that's awesome. I love that. But don't just do that. Talk to other people, you know, uh, uh, have these conversations with folks. Nick and I teach at FDIC. Talk to people like, you know, the biggest thing about us going out there isn't just that we get to teach. It's that we get to talk to all these different people from all over the country. Like, how cool is that? You know, I love that opportunity in itself just because of what it pays for that, what I'm able to bring back for me, you know, and my organization. So just piggybacking off what you said, like, yeah, 100%, like going and if you're in your, your you know, the, the place where you grew up, that's, there's no problem with that, but don't. Don't just stare. Don't just stay there in a sense of like training, like gain information from other avenues and other people. And if it doesn't apply to you, that's even better because that means that you're learning. And then the best part of it, like you said, is it will expose gaps. I promise. Like at, at, at the end of the day, no matter what, there's something that you're not aware of that someone else is going to make you aware of. And they didn't even mean to do it condescendingly. It just you're like, oh, shit, we could be doing that. Why are we not doing it? Yeah, 100%. Um, you know, I always think it's, it's funny to me because, like, you know, what, what do we tell new guys in recruit class, right? What do we tell them? Be a sponge. Soak it up, right. man. Soak it up. But it's funny because, like, when we tell them to be a sponge, uh, here's the thing about sponge. If you don't ever put fresh water in, it gets stagnant. Yes. So, as an organization, you know, we're telling these guys, you know, to come in the door to be a sponge. But are we doing our part as mentors? As, as keeping that sponge man, wet as, and keeping that sponge wet, right? Keeping it from getting yeah. stagnant, right? Putting in. I those, love that. So, to, so to me, like you know, that's that's kind of what we're saying here. Is is you know, regardless of your path, no matter where you work, big department, small department, doesn't matter. Um, if you, you know, you're you're doing yourself a disservice if you don't ever bring in fresh ideas. If you don't ever get outside your bubble and rub shoulders with other guys. And and you talked about the networking part of like FDIC and some of these conferences, man, that's one of the biggest parts of it. You know, the teaching, the classes are fantastic. You learn so much information, but man, some of the best learning takes place just sitting around talking to guys from all the right? going out, you know, to the social events and talking and, and networking. And Hey, you know, I, I know a guy that, <laughs> you know, it's like, I was just telling someone the other day, it's like, I feel so blessed in the fire service. Cause if I got a question about Saul's, like, you know, I know two or three guys I can call that are like subject matter experts, man, the, the guru guys. If I got a question on tactics, if I got a question on the engine, you know, uh, water supply or whatever, like I know people that, that that's their niche, that's their thing. If I extrication, you name it, man, there's so many topics. And the beautiful thing about going to, to training events and, and conferences and getting outside your bubble is you start rubbing shoulders with, with people. It's that whole iron sharpens iron thing. And, and when you're rubbing shoulders with people that are better than you, by default, like you're going to elevate your game, right? You're going to get better just by default. Because you're people that are that are elevating you, right? That are bringing you up, and and I think like that is the crux of it, man. Is like it's it's easy to get this mindset. We get stagnant in our in our own small pond, uh, you know, the small sliver of the fire service, mm -hmm. and we get this 
big fish in a small pond mindset and you get these guys that oh i know everything and you know uh, I don't, you know, you can't teach me anything new. I've seen it all. And it's like, that's the way we've always have. done it. Right. And that, and that's where that mindset comes from though, because in their little respective bubble, their little sliver of the fire service, they may have seen everything in that little bubble, right. Uh, a time or two. But the problem is, you know, you don't know what the next call is going to bring. You might face a problem you've never seen before. And somebody just down the road, you know, you can have a department three or four counties down the road that they've you know, handle the same thing and you can learn something from them and, you know, or you have a personnel issue you've never encountered before. And I think like it, to me, it, it really is uh, the, the real, it's really, really egotistical and, and cocky to get to the point where you can't tell me anything. You can't teach it's, me anything. It's ignorant. It is. It is extremely yep. ignorant. So uh, shifting gears here, man, you, you run a company called passion and leading, right? Uh, and so, Tell me a little bit about that. Tell me where where that uh, you know the idea came from, and, and kind of what got you going down that path uh, to kind of share some of those experiences that you've been sharing over the last few years with, with your company. Yeah, I I appreciate you asking that because most times whenever I'm interviewed, everybody's always asking me about training officer stuff because they think that that's my only thing, you know, and which is great. Uh, I appreciate that. That's kind of been the mark I made. Um, so. Years ago, uh, I was promoted to a company officer position. I was a captain on an engine company, and um, the culture was defeated. I mean, it was just broken. It was a broken culture. Um, and uh, I wanted to try to frame things in a way that the guys needed to believe in themselves and believe that they were part of something that, that had a purpose and there was value. How did we get there? Training. That's probably how I got so involved with training so the easiest way to their hearts you know like they say like you know an easy the easy way to a man's stomach is i mean the easiest way to a man's heart is through his stomach right so an easiest way through a fireman's heart is actually through training um because we're able to find commonality because we were able to have fun we made training fun because we were able to expose gaps and 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 uh things we weren't good at uh skill set wise tactically through training and we did it in a way where we coached each other through it, um, that we got better. Uh, that you know the, the the team strengthened. It became very uh, there was a lot of cohesion there. Uh, like I'm not throwing these words to say them. It was true. Like we had a very cohesive team for for uh, you know a couple of years. Um, the chief and the director of emergency services uh, they said to me one time, they said. You know what your problem is? You're too passionate. And I thought, the fuck, like, how can you be too passionate? You know what I mean? Now, as I've learned, you know, uh, in studying the word passion, uh, the definition of passion, there is there's there's two different uh, types of meanings. You know, there's one that's that's good, you know, and then there's another that's that's like kind of blind, right? Um, but they didn't mean that. They just meant what was a, a turnoff for them was that I loved guys and i love the fire service a lot and that just they like they could not wrap their head around that so um i decided to write a thing um about passion and i wrote this thing it was called um uh this passion the six stages of the double-edged sword that's what i called it and um and then I, 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 you know, at the end of it, uh, I, I wrote about how you have to be passionate in your leading, you know, and, and how you lead people, you, you know, and, um, and then the name just stuck. 
And uh, and in 2015, I decided to LLC it because it's a pretty sexy name, and somebody will try to steal that shit. Um, so so I did. So I I I I uh, I LLC it, and I started a program called Passion in Leading. Um, and I wrote a lot of stuff about uh, you know why it's important to be passionate as a leader, um, uh, and more importantly, why it's important to be passionate just as somebody who's trying to strive for a level of success, whether it's to be a firefighter or a leader or chief, whatever. Um, passion's fuel. It, it, it helps us be able to, to, to drive, to, to navigate through the adversity and the bullshit that you go through. You know, it, it, it maintains that desire. It lets you get through the crap. Um, and then passion's in, infectious, um, both good and bad, but using it for the good if you're passionate about something, most people are like, what the fuck's he so jacked up about that for? You know, I want a piece of that. You know, I want, I want those endor that endorphin rush, you know, I want to feel good about this. So, um, so it's good because when, you know, it's so easy to become negative and, and, and complacent in the fire service and bitch about stuff that, you know, if, if you're passionate about it, you get people that find that inner kid, uh, you know, the, the ones that when they first, you know, when, 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 when they remember the, the guys that were still riding on the back step, riding past their house and instantly they're like, it brings them back to a place where they love it again. Um, so it's very important to be passionate. And I, and I, I, I try to incorporate that in anything that I do. So I appreciate bringing it up because I, I, I keep that as the name of the company. So even though the direction in, 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 and I guess my public notoriety, uh, in, in our thing has been more of the training officer stuff. I still use my logo and I still uh, use my business name. I never change that because I feel like I, it's important for people to know about that. So I appreciate bringing up. Thank you. Yeah, no, I, I think it's uh, at the end of the day, stick true to your, to your core roots, right? Your, your principles, man. And, and, you know, if you're passionate in training, right, it's going to translate to leadership and you know, your passion, like at the end of the day, being passionate about the job, uh, being into it, being into your people, um, in all aspects of the job, it's, it's good. You know, I think that sometimes people give it a bad connotation because, well, you know, that you hear things like all oh, your aid up or, you know, <laughs> some of the more colorful, uh, phrases like ketchup dick and things along the yeah yeah but but it you know and guys that are into the job kind of get those labels and and you know it used to bother me man I was like why do we why do we tear down the people that care the most right and it's funny you put up some of the the pushback you got um for having that passion right because it's it's interesting that the the word passion right Originally, it was Greek. To, it means to suffer, right? And then it was translated into Latin, which patty or passio, right? That's the, the origin of the word is to suffer. And how true is it, man? Like if you are passionate in the in the modern context of how the world word has evolved, if you're passionate about the job, you're gonna you're gonna pay the price in some degree. To some degree, like sure. you're gonna get pushback. You're gonna have mutts barking. You're gonna have rocks thrown at you. Like, be prepared. If you are passionate about this job, you are at some point going to have a target on your back, and there are going to be people who feel uncomfortable with your passion. They're going to feel uncomfortable with how much you give a damn. And right. unfortunately, like that's that's the, the you talk about the two sides of the sword, right? I think that's a beautiful analogy, right? Because it is a double edged sword. Because on one hand, you know, 
it's a great thing. It's what keeps you the fuel, you know, that fire burn and that fuel keeps you, you know, moving forward and, and pushing forward even in the face of adversity and, and doing the right things even when you don't feel like it's that passion drives that and fuels that. But the other side of that is like you're going to probably have some some headaches and some heartaches and you're going to have some pushback and you're going to have, you know, resistance and you're going to have to overcome some things and you're going to have to deal like and I'll, and I'll tell you, man, like straight up uh, earlier in my career, I didn't handle it as well as as I've you know, I'm, over time, I've learned how to, you know, take things in context and understand a lot of those people that are throwing rocks and, you know, taking cheap shots, man, like you just can't pay them no attention. Like you just got to do your mm-hmm. thing stay true to your core values and, and keep grinding and keep pushing forward. But, but man, I can tell you right now, I didn't always handle some of that stuff. And, and that's, you know, talk about passion being, you know, using a negative connotation sometimes because guys get very impassioned with what they're doing. And sometimes it's easy to lash out at people for attacking your passion or attacking what you're trying to do or, or sure. to, you know, stoop to the level of like throwing rocks at people, they throw rocks at you. So all you pick up a rock and throw it back when all that does really is add fuel to their fire, right? That just adds that much more, you know, essentially you, you, you've come down to their level and, and allow them to beat you at your, at your own game. Or essentially you've, you've really, or I guess I misquoted that you, you've kind of let them, play their game the way they want to play it right on their terms when you when you right. stoop to their level now it's just like it's like you know my dad always told me about the pig you know in the mud you get down in the in the pen with the pig you know that's what's going to happen you're right. going to end up dirty and tired and the pig's going to have the time of his life right <laughs> like right because he he just, lives there you're on his level <laughs> right right and so you know i love the analogy of the two-edged sword man i think you hit the nail on the head um we should have passion we should care about people and, and like you said, training is such a great equalizer. It's a great way to build camaraderie. It's mm-hmm. a great way to break down those barriers and to share that passion. But if we're not right. careful, like I said, if we, if we allow others to, you know, to, to turn that passion and, and, and use it against us, if you will, uh, and we stoop to that level and we start, you know, taking shots back at them, like we're actually doing more harm than good. We're burning bridges that, you know, once those br- bridges are burned, it's hard to rebuild them. And, Right. And I think like that's if I could go back in time 10, 15 years and, and tell a younger version of me on the job, man, is like just don't pay no attention to the people throwing rocks. I mean, don't pay no attention to the people trying to like stay the course, stay positive. Because man, I can tell you, like it's it's easy to let that passion overflow to turn into from passion to to anger and frustration and resentment and resentment uh towards the organization, towards groups of people. And that's not healthy for you as an individual. It's not healthy for your family. And it's certainly not healthy for your career, right? Right. I agree. Uh, I, so I, I, I'm, I'm pulling up my phone because it's funny you said, you know, people throwing rocks. So, you know, for the people that, when, when, uh, you know, that, that, you'll, that you have following you and that, that are listening to this or watching this, um, people will throw rocks. It will 100% happen. It's inevitable. Uh, it's, it's what you do, uh, to get through it. Now, some rocks are, um, you can use them to, to build off of, right. Uh, some rocks we can put in our foundation and try to help, help strengthen, uh, strengthen our core and strengthen our metaphorically, our, our, our house that we're building, which is, you know, us and, 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 and our teams. Um, so with some negative, uh, shit that people throw at you, see how that can be constructive. Uh, that's that's a good thing to do. However, 
I'm going to read to you. Uh, I'm going to paraphrase a little just for uh, uh, keeping certain people out of it. But um, today, one of my guys was concerned about a decision last night that he made. Uh, so we got called out for uh, one type of call, uh, which was uh, just uh, I'll say this. So we got called out uh, and the call wasn't didn't come in as a hazmat call. Um, it came in as like a, an investigation or something like that. So the engine rolled. The guys read the notes uh, from the CAD, uh, and they saw that that it was a hazmat call from, uh, based off the information and notes. So they said, hey, Tui grabbed the hazmat also, and they rolled with the engine, and then the hazmat met them there. So some folks were a little pissed off that because um, this was a mutual aid assignment that we decided to, uh, I guess, self-dispatch the hazmat, right? Dispatch, dispatch the nature of the call wrong. The, the notes were in there properly. So my guy, he's just trying to, you know, text me and just explain the situation to me. And, and what I said was, I said, it was a very smart decision that you guys made to be proactive. Don't worry about people when they're trying to point out, and I put in quotes, flaws. That's going to happen more often over the next couple of years. That noise just proves that we are growing. I'm good with the decision. It confirms that we're making progress. And I also don't care about the noise. It proves that we're making progress. So let them throw rocks because all that means is that you're making shit happen. Yeah, absolutely, man. Um, at the end of the day, if you are doing the work, right, and you know, here's the thing, if you know in your heart that you're doing the right things for the right reasons, then it doesn't matter what anybody says. It doesn't matter what anybody does. Like so much of it is, is just that it's just outside noise. It's people trying to throw stumbling blocks and roll blocks in your way because ultimately, man, like, let's be honest. Like there's a lot of people that just want to maintain the status quo. There's a lot of people on the job that aren't into the job that aren't necessarily, you know, uh, you know, they're there for the wrong reasons, Maybe start out for the right reasons, but over the course of time, uh, they've, they've developed this mindset where it's just, you know, they're there for a pension and a paycheck. And let's be honest, like those, those people exist. And, and unfortunately, uh, human nature, and this is not just the fire service. This is human nature. Human nature is to, res to resist change, right? We don't like change. We don't like someone coming yeah, it in. It scares us. And, and, and pointing out things we could do better. And that's what, you know, I think the irony of it is, is a lot of guys that are trying to make changes, you know, aren't necessarily making changes for the sake of making change. A lot of it's just like, hey, we identify deficiencies because I'm training, you know, I'm, I'm training, I'm going to conferences, I'm, I'm reading trade journals, I'm trying to learn as much as I can about the job because like, I'm passionate about it, right? I care. And so we see these areas we can, we can be better. And we bring those ideas forward. And sometimes like, you know, no matter how much you wrap it in nice, pretty paper like some guys are just going to push back no matter what but but understand like human nature is they want to know why right and that's mm -hmm. okay like that took me a long time to understand like it's you're, you're normally going to have people ask why in question and try to poke holes in it because if you're going to make a change in your organization it needs to be worth it right they can't you can't just make change willy-nilly just because like some things are in place for a reason right some things are there because they work um but I think like one of the best ways and Duffy always talks about instead of coming and say, Hey, we need to change this. I like his approach to it. Like, Hey, you know, I've noticed some things that maybe we can enhance, right? How can we be better? If you, if you bring it, like, I'm not saying that you got a problem with what you're doing. I just feel like maybe we could be a little bit better. We're trying to build a, a slightly better mousetrap here. Um, right. People tend to stomach that a lot better if we approach it 
with a little tact and a little bit of, you know, and it's tough. It's tough. Like, let's be honest. We, we're in a type A field where guys are very direct a lot of times, especially, you know, you know, I mean, you're in Jersey. Uh, guys don't have a problem in the fire service telling you what they think, right? And, right. And, and sometimes, though, like what I, what I realize is that's a good thing, though. And, and it's, it's easy to take that stuff personally, but don't. Don't take it personal, right? You know, don't take it personal because at the end of the day, like you would hope that, that you know, the guys are asking questions that some of those questions are coming from a place of genuine, like just wanting to know and concern. Like, don't get me wrong. There's going to be guys that are going to just question everything you do because they're, they're going to be a dick and that's just the way they are. But there's a lot of guys that just genuinely want to know, like, if we're going to make this sweeping change in our organization, you know, what's the end goal? What's the vision? What's the purpose? And, and if you, have something that is truly better let it speak for itself right if you have a tactic or a tool or something that's legitimately a better situation you know it's going to work better for your organization it's a better situation for your your people like let them see it and and i'm telling you man like over time if people put their hands on the stuff or they see the stuff in practice and they see your consistency uh and, and the fact that you are uh you know solid and level-headed and you know that's the hardest part right is keeping keeping your cool not taking those those questionings personally and and just they're going to see that consistency and be like man like this dude really cares about this clearly he's done his homework you know uh let's see how it works and they start putting it to work and and, and a little here a little there it's that it's that kind of incremental change uh kyle samsing actually just posted something about departmental change like organizational change how it's it's a you know a marathon not a sprint and how we're right. really impatient as firefighters and we want instant gratification. We want to come in and say, hey, this is better. We need to do this. And everybody jumps up and says, hooray, and, and gets on board with it. But let's be honest. Like, that's just not how change happens in the fire service. No, no, no. And, and, and cultural and successful change is a marathon. It's not a race. So that, uh, so that's, 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 uh, you know, I've, I've used that and I've heard that it's not my own. Um, so it's, it's great to hear that, 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 you know, he was saying it too. It's it more people need to understand that and appreciate the value of a comment like that so that they can understand it. Um, and, and you know, to add to that, <clears throat> like, you know, that Simon Sinek thing, right. The, the, the what and why um, people already know what they do. They already know, you know, uh, what you are, if you're the chief or if you're the captain or lieutenant, whatever, you know, they know, they already know that, you know, um, why they should follow you, why they should work for that department, why they should not worry about the noise or why they don't need to, invest too much of their focus on negative noise is the importance, you know? Um, and we do, we, it's just a fact. We do a shit job of explaining it to people. Uh, you know, we, we do a pretty bad job of, of, I guess, advocating for why things are important, why people should be jacked up, why people should be believing in, 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 in the future goal. Um, you know, and, and why it's going to take a long time. Effective cultural dynamic change is a marathon. Like I say to people, you know, if it took you 80 years to create these bad habits, how long do you think it's going to take for us to change them? It doesn't happen overnight. You know, real effective implementation is a three, five, and then repeat another three year process. It, 
literally takes like if you're a chief let's say you're in a position where you you're in this position of influence and you have the high authority to make the decisions right realistically it's going to take you three years to get everybody to 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 not necessarily agree but see the vision then it's going to take another two years to really inundate that stuff because you're going to go through union stuff and change you know change dynamic and whatnot and then it's going to take another three years on top of that until it's the norm and then what happens is is then we realize okay well we need to improve because something's going wrong or whatever so then it takes another three years to expose those gaps and improve that. So you're talking mathematically, this is a 10 year process, minimum 10 years for you to actually get an effective change done to your culture and the way you do business. Well, in this service or thing, the fire service in 10 years, I mean, just think about Nick, you know, you and I are around the same age, you know, in 10 years, a lot's changed just in how we do shit. So you're already behind the curve and I'm not trying to scare you. I'm trying to make you aware of like, it's still worth the investment because if you didn't invest that 10 years, just imagine how much further behind you are, you know? So, so yeah, I mean, you should, you know, you, you should, you should advocate and educate for, for the why you should advocate and educate and, and inform and cheerlead for, Hey, you know, I want this to happen tomorrow too, but we're going to fuck it up if we do that. So it's going to take a while. And let's just understand that this is going to be a methodical approach. It is a marathon, not a race. Yeah, man. It's, it really, uh, like I said, I wish 10 years ago, I could have had the same conversation with myself because like I said, you know, you get, it's easy to get frustrated. It's easy to build resentment. Like you get like just kind of almost jaded and burned out with the system because like, Oh, you know, these guys just don't care. They don't get it or whatever. Right. And then you realize like, man, human nature, you're, you know, that's where leadership comes in though. Right. Because to be a change agent, essentially you have to be a leader, right? You have to be willing to set the example. You have to be willing to do the dirty work. Mm-hmm. And I see the dirty work in the sense of like, roll up your sleeves, put in the, the, the work to lay this stuff out there. You have to be willing well, to make hard decisions. And, that's, that's also part of that dirty work is making hard decisions. Yeah. Yeah. It, I mean, in, in like, and sometimes those aren't popular, right? Sometimes those aren't, you know, you're not going to be the most liked guy or gal on your department when you're willing to do yeah. that. And so let me, let me ask you this. I mean, so when, you know, we're talking about leadership, you know, we're talking about some of the qualities of leaders. Uh, obviously you gotta, you know, you gotta care. That's that's number one. You gotta you know be passionate about what you do, uh, believe in what you do. We talk about the purpose, like the why. Uh, but what are some other things that you feel like are important for leaders today in the fire service? You know, we we there's a lot of a lot of buzz around leadership these days uh, in the yeah. fire service, and and but I think like you know I just want to get your perspective on what you feel like uh, is is kind of the core essentials of of good leadership. Like what what separates the the effective leaders and i and i i don't want to use the word good leaders versus bad leaders i want to use effective versus maybe not as effective or not you know not, uh, i like you know, that not a, yeah because i to me it's like what is the point of leadership right is is influence right there you're trying to influence people one way or the other uh and and to get people to go you know hopefully working towards the same goal right and so when you look at certain leaders, like you, some people are, are, you know, we say good and bad. Um, there's some ineffective leaders that aren't bad people, right? You know, they're good people, um, but they're just not effective. And, and that's what I want to focus in. Yeah. Are there some piece of shits out there that trash their people that are, I don't consider those people leaders, man, in my opinion, no. those, 
you know, those are dictators, <clears throat> those are managers. Like, you know, any bean counter could tell you how many, like, you know, pennies to pinch to pay, you know, payroll and, and how many trucks you need to run calls. Like when we're talking leadership, we're talking people, right? right. So I want to know, I want to know though, this is ineffective in your world, in your experience, what are the things that kind of set those effective leaders apart from the ineffective ones? Uh, okay. So <clears throat> great question. Um, so uh, one, the ability to have a humanistic approach in the fire service. We're just talking about the fire service. You're leading people. Like you said before, most of them are alpha. Um, most of them care about what they do. Uh, and most of them, contrary to popular opinion, care about the well-being of of their human mankind because that's who we protect, right? <clears throat> so you have to be able to set an environment where they believe that you care about how much they care, that you care about them as a person, about their personal life and about their professional life. And they're two different things and you need to be able to understand both of those two different things. Uh, secondly, you have to be credible. Uh, you cannot fake it till you make it. This is the fire service. You don't have to have been the best firefighter in the world, um, but you have to have been in, you've had to have crawled down a hallway. Y you know, you have to have known what it's like if you're on a career side to be mandated to working on Christmas when you thought you were supposed to be off. Um, you know, you have to know what it's like to screw up on a call or screw up in a training evolution or on a drill or fail a test. You have to know that shit. Um, <clears throat> you do. Uh, which which ties into the whole empathy thing. So that's the next part is you have to have empathy. You have to be able to relate to the shit that your people are going through. Um, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're always going to agree with what they do, but you have to be able to, to empathize with. Sometimes people are going through something and you have gone through some something similar yourself and you can relate to that. So that you can make a, a, a proper decision because you're a leader. So at the end of the day, you have to make it the, the, make the decision. So you have to make the proper decision on how you're going to handle that, which would go hand in hand with the because then you also need to have compassion and in, 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 you know, understanding that not everybody's the same. Um, but the last one would be to be decisive, not to be a dictator, but be decisive. So. If you have empathy for people, if you have sympathy, compassion, human, you know, humanistic, the humanistic approach, and you have credibility, okay, you have all that stuff, right? You, 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 you understand people, you understand the service, you will be able to make decisions uh, in a moment's time when you have to sometimes, uh, because you, you, you have that skill set, because you know how this is going to affect your people. And you know what the outcome is going to be if there's an emergency or whatever, because you've been in the shit before. Uh, nothing worse. So like you said before, there's nice leaders, right? So I've, I've worked for guys that are the nicest boss I've ever had in my life. And they couldn't make a decision if, if the, you know, if their life depended on it. Um, because they were so nice that they were so worried about how this was going to hurt someone's feelings. Like I said, you know, you need to be, you know, compassionate you know you have to have empathy but fuck that dude like sometimes you know like i say to my guys like and i don't mean it condescendingly like i'm like you are in the position to make a suggestion and by the very nature of my position i am the person that makes the decision so understand that if 30 of you have a suggestion i will make the best decision that applies to our department and the services we provide off of those suggestions 
mathematically, 28 of you are not going to be happy with my decision. But nonetheless, I make the decision. You have to be able to make a decision. And then you have to back up that decision, though. I mean, people are going to call you out on your decision. you got to say, hey, listen, this is where I see it. This is based off my experience, my education. I value the fact that this is what's going to affect the guys in this, in this aspect. Nonetheless, we have to make this decision. You have to be decisive. So that's what I would say. Yeah, no, that's, man, that's, that's really good. I, you know, I love the fact that you talk about, you know, being credible, uh, being relatable, uh, kind of backing it up. You know, you hit the personal aspect, which I, I really love that we're seeing more of that in the fire service where guys are emphasizing, like, you know, don't be a dick bag. Like, get to know these people's families, get to know, you know, like, they're still human beings, right? Yeah, uh, yeah they're, they're your employees, but, but, you know, and you have responsibility to make sure they do their job. But at the end of the day, they're people. They got real people problems, you know. Uh, right. So I love that. I, the the credibility and the relatability, man. Uh, I just want to get your thoughts on this because I've heard I've heard in recent years uh, several chief officers make the statement that basically leadership is leadership. You can plug and play any like so like for example, you know, you take a guy who's chief. He could be the the special operations chief, no problem. It's leadership is leadership, you know, and. Uh, plug and play you know chiefs in, in different positions um i've never been in that position so i i obviously have a very limited focal point on this but i've always felt like taking somebody yeah some of the leadership qualities you know being personal being you know uh you know compassionate having empathy making decisions like that aspect of it i, I agree that translates no matter where you're at like if you're a leader you're a leader but but in the fire service i feel like you know, especially in this line of work with a bunch of type A personalities, like people are going to call you. If you don't know your shit, they're going to call you on it. And right. to me, like, I think it's a, a recipe for disaster. This is just my take. And, and I want to get your opinion on this. Uh, and from your viewpoint, obviously on the other end of the spectrum, but, but if I have somebody who's strong and say, you know, hazmat, and that's the guy I want over my hazmat team. If I got somebody who's, you know, the, this battalion chief is, is my, building construction guy or my tactics guy like that's who i want to lean on for those decisions and those policies right to me it doesn't make a lot of sense to take a guy let's let's say who's kicking ass over here and they're a jam up ops chief and say oh you're now over fire inspections and right. i get it sometimes organizational demands like hey this we, we got to have a guy over here like unfortunately like we don't have anybody else like you got to come over here and do that. but to purposely pull a guy out of their strong suit and put them in an area where they really you're to me this is like you're you're asking them to flounder you're asking the organization to take a step back because if you take someone for example you know who's never been a paramedic and you put them over the ems division or you take someone who's never done special ops who doesn't know rope stuff who doesn't know how as man who doesn't know trench or collapse or any of this other stuff like to me like that is a huge liability to have somebody running a division who has no background in it whatsoever because the guys automatically they have no credibility right if if you take a guy who's, who's literally worked in a, an eight to five job and put them over operations, they've never worked on shift, and all of a sudden they're the ops chief. Like you think the guys are going to respect that guy? They may be, they may respect the position because they have to, but to me, like I've always felt like you you get a lot more buy in when the guy that's you know over that that particular area has the the background in it who who has worked at those shift work like you said on Christmas it's got stuck on the overtime so it's put in the work on the fire ground that's rode the rig you know that that has put in the work in the trenches in whatever discipline they're overseeing to me that just seems like you get more buy-in and maybe I'm wrong maybe 
Maybe I'm missing no, a few. But, man, I think like you're right. Of- At least between you and I, you're right. Yeah, I mean, and, and so, you know, obviously as a chief officer, I mean, that's something, you know, have you heard that? I mean, have you seen guys say stuff like that? I mean, I, I, I'm just curious. I, heard it. <laughs> I, I just, I, maybe it's just my little corner of the fire service, but man, no. I just, I laugh about it because I'm like, man, what did you think was going to happen? You took a guy who has no background in this and put him over this division and they, of course, they're struggling. Right. Um. So uh, in a, uh, I swear people that are going to listen to this are going to think that I told you this in advance. So I promise. And you fucking, you can, you can attest for it. I didn't, I'm dealing with that right now. Uh, predecessor made a decision to move, uh, some folks around that shouldn't be in the spots they're moved. Some things were self-inflicted as far as maybe disciplinary, maybe for personal growth, professional growth. Like, hey, you got a little comfortable, so we're going to shake it up and make it uncomfortable for you. That's an old uh, military strategy. Um, like if you have a company officer, a platoon sergeant, or, or, or even a commissioned officer, um, they will move them into a different platoon or a different type of MOS, uh, you know, different jo- job assignment uh, because they got too comfortable which made them no longer effective as a leader. Right. Um, I understand that strategy. It doesn't always work, but I understand that strategy. I think that maybe that was the intent behind the decision of moving a couple people in the situation that I'm dealing with. I don't agree with it. When I was asked my opinion on it, my exact response, metaphorically, I said, you don't take Nolan Ryan off the mound and put him on first base because he throws strikeouts. Uh, you know, just what you do. You don't, you don't take a guy that has a specialized skill set where he is the home run guy in that skill set and change doing something else. I'm okay with cross training. I'm okay with, with branching out and being more versatile. I think that, uh, a lot of my successes have been based off of my versatility. Uh, nonetheless, I don't think that it's good for the department to take, like you said, a guy that's strong suited in ops and permanently put them over fire prevention. It's not always going to work. It's good for the guy to learn certain aspects of fire prevention, but it's not going to be good for the department if he is the guy for that because he's not going to give it his all because it's not his thing. He's not passionate about it. Um, So uh, it's a bad strategy, right? It's a bad strategy um, for longevity. If it's a temporary, let's let's see if we can shake things up so that we get some cross training because everybody has to back each other up in the event life happens people you know have to take leave of absence get hurt whatever understanding each other's jobs is important if you're the training guy you should know the ops the ops guy's job if you're the ops guy you should know the training training guy's job if you're the prevention guy so on and so forth everybody knows needs to know each other's job i agree with that but um capitalize on your strengths uh your department benefits from you having people being good at, at, at these things. Um, you know, it's okay to put people into an, an uncomfortable situation and see how they grow from it. But if they're regressing and as a result, the, that, you know, that, that division or branch is now regressing, then at the cost of many, um, you know, we, 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 we tried to punish just few. It's not that smart of a strategy. Yeah. It, it, it's just, 
it's interesting to me because I see a lot more of that going on over the last 10 or so years. I just hear comments like that. And, and like I said, I mean, uh, I just feel like, you know, you wouldn't put, you know, it, it'd be silly, right? You wouldn't put, you know, Tom Brady back in his heyday, right? He's, you know, kicking ass, taking names. Like you wouldn't be like, Hey dude, you're on the offensive line now. Right. Right. Never. We, they'd get the demolished because that's not a strength, right? That's not a strong suit. I, you know, and I always hear this like, well, you know, we're jack of all trades profession. And to some degree, that's true. But it's it's hurt us. This one size fits all approach to the fire service. You know, I, I liken it to the Quint concept of, of personnel, right? These moves is a Quint kind con- like basically really mediocre in a lot of things. And, and right. to me, like that is not how you excel as an organization. We're a team, right? Everybody's got different roles. we got different strengths, different strong suits. Like to me, like leverage that man, leverage those people. Now, don't get me wrong. We should be well-rounded. Like you said, we should have people that can fill the gap. Should something happen to that, to the guy. Um, and, but, but here's the thing, like instead of this Jack of all trades, master of none mindset, how about Jack of all trades, master of one, find your niche. Find right. your one thing that you really, really kick ass at and, and man, be that guy, right? And and still be well-rounded, right? Be exposed to other aspects of the job. Get out of your bubble. Learn other things that challenge your, your comfort. But if you find something, man, that you are passionate about and you love it and this is your thing, man, run with that. Because mm-hmm. we all need those guys on our department. We need the hazmat guy. The go-to guy. We need the, you know, the tech rescue. The, the we need that the fireman's fireman, the guy that just gets it, man. That like, mm-hmm. that you know, it's that whole warrior mindset, right? You know, out of every hundred warriors, right, ten shouldn't even be there. You know, <laughs> what is it? Right. Ten shouldn't even be there. Eighty are just targets. You know, ninety right. make the battle, and the ones the warrior that brings them all back, right? I mean, let, let's be honest. Like, you need those warriors in those different disciplines and those different aspects, man. You need those rock stars. That man, if you find somebody. That is really, really good, and they're and they're taking your department to the next level in whatever area it is. Man, ride that pony all the way to the <laughs> to home base, man. Like let that let that uh, let that baby sing. You know, let them do their thing. I mean, to me, like that is how you win as a team. Uh, I just I find it interesting though because like you're sitting in leadership seminars and things like that, and you're going around and you, and and I've noticed this too. Like a lot of, uh, I've been fortunate to go speak at a couple chiefs conventions, which I don't know why they bring a guy like me in. Maybe just as like, like I, I always joke that I'm like the jester because I'm like I've never been a chief and I'm in a chiefs convention talking to people. You know, I'm entertainment, I guess. I don't know. I just whatever. But uh, but uh, you know, I go in there and I talk to you know, and, and some of the chiefs get it, and some of the guys are like really awesome chiefs. Like man, we just trying to fight complacency, fighting you know this mindset of getting away from that one size fits all mindset. And, and, you know, I, I think perfect case in point, like Scott Thompson uh, recently put out some stuff that, you know, some people are you know, like, Oh, I don't know about all that or whatever. You know, he was, he was asking opinions on a slide from one of his, you know, his presentations. And and I was like, man, there are those guys out there that are beating that drum, but I see, it seems like there's a lot of other ones that are listening to league of cities and all this other crap. And this, you know, <laughs> whatever. I don't know where they get their information sometimes, but it's like where <laughs> where you get the idea that it's good just to bounce people around, never give them any like. That's the other thing too, like moving your people like every six months. Like, oh, you got to rotate just for the sake of rotating right. people. Never get in crew continuity, man. Like to me, that is such a morale buster. That is such a morale killer when guys don't feel like they have a home. They don't feel like they don't, you know, they don't have a crew. They don't have a house. like. There's this free decor because. In a lot of ways, we've we beat it out of them, right? We've white collared a blue collar job, right? Right. 
And not only does the person not feel like they, they have uh, the, their, their purpose, but the people that are under their lead feel like they don't have a leader. So they don't know what their purpose is either. They don't know what the vision is. Yeah, that's a good point, man. I, I know I got on a tangent there. Sorry. No, no, it was awesome. Yeah, I, yeah. I love that you did it because I'm trying to be political because it's happening right now. And I'm, I'm trying to find my, my opportunity to, to make that change because it's necessary. I just am trying to be like, hey, like uh, we tried this. It didn't work. Sure, sure. No, no, yeah. I, I just, to me, like I said, I mean, leadership is so important. Um, you know, and, and it's not just leadership at the top. It's leadership in all levels. I mean, you need people leading the charge to make the, you know, it's, it's pushing that needle forward. It's that 10 pounds of pressure 100% of the time uh, mm-hmm. approach. And and you got to have those guys. Um, and I just think that, man, um, leadership though is, is, you know, you gotta, you gotta take care of your people, right? You gotta look at, look at the big picture, take care of your people, take care of the organization. And when I say your people, it's the people that you swore an oath to protect, right? Right. Them first. Like we talk about that, like, you know, you talk about making hard decisions. Sometimes what's best for the citizens is not going to make the guys happy, right? Sometimes what's best for the guys is it going to make everybody happy? There's going to be groups within the department, subgroups that are like, oh, this pisses me off, but it's better for the organization. And right. I think if you can give the why, if you can kind of show the purpose, like, hey, you know, I know you don't like this, but here's why I'm doing it, right? And and you're making those decisions, and people see you're not wishy-washy, and you stand by your stuff. And that was one of the things you brought up was, was kind of backing it up mm-hmm. when you make a decision. How many times do we see, like, leaders, like, they make a decision finally, like they, you know, or you get the other side. They're just wishy-washy. They don't want to make a decision, uh, which loses credibility. Goes back to that credibility thing. But let's say you do get a guy that makes a decision. It is so important to not that be arrogant, and egotistical to the point of like if someone brings up a legitimate point, like hey, you know, hey, I made a mistake here. We need to fix something because I think that's the other side of it is you can still stand by your stuff and and say you know do self inventory from time to time and say hey, you know what. I think you're right. We need to modify this. I mean, I was wrong. Like that's, that's humility, right? And you got to have that to be a good leader. But I think just being decisive and saying, Hey, you know what, with the information I have right now, from my experience with information we have right now, I believe this is the best direction for our organization and then back it up and say, Hey, you know what guys, like this is, this is where we're at right now. Now I'm open to, to down the road, looking at this thing again and come back, you know, let's six months a year, whatever. And like, let's, let's take a step back and, and look uh itself and make sure we're still going in the right direction but like when you make that decision you can't like a week later rescind you know it's like i put out a memo and like just kidding uh you know because you see that a lot too where memos come out and like oh just kidding uh you know as as a matter of fact we're right back to status quo because or or the other direction uh because they they don't want to stand by it because you know the union's putting pressure on them or city hall's putting pressure on them or whatever uh at the end of the day you know, you're going to get resistance when you make decisions, right? Not everybody's going to be happy all the time. And I think like that's probably one of the things I look back, some of the best leaders in my career, man, are guys that were willing to stick to by the stuff, right? They were willing to stand the ground, even when it was unpopular, even when, you know, the guys like, oh man, Cap's an asshole or whatever. Like, you know, I look at, I look at one of the best captains I ever worked for, uh, guys called him a hard nose and all this stuff. And he, he wasn't, he was one of the most personable guys to know, but, but when he made a decision, like he backed it up. Like this is why I made this decision. This is what we're doing. And you never had to worry, right? You always knew where you stood with the guy. You always knew 
that he was going to be consistent. And if he made a decision, like unless you had like legitimately uh, like a good reason to, to for him to rescind it, he's going to stick by it because he believes in what he's doing. And I think that's what it comes down to, right? You have to believe in what you're doing. If you mm-hmm. truly believe in the decision you're making is the best thing for your people that you serve and the people in your organization, then you can sleep good at night. Yeah, I, amen. I agree with that. I I, uh, I wholeheartedly agree with that. And then just another piece of that is um, when you're decisive, don't um, don't answer things with because I said so. Uh, don't be afraid to pivot, uh, but not like like you said, like not on the repetition end of like, you know, uh, the union filed a grievance. So, you know, hey, uh, you know, LOL, I didn't mean what I said last week. You know, uh, we'll wait till they like, listen, I was a union guy. I was just, I was a, 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 a vice president. I was a shop steward. Like At the end of the day, I got to make a decision. They got to do what they got to do. I got to do what I got to do. I don't give a shit. I'm making my fucking decision and then we'll find out what happens after the grievance is done. Um, I'm not, I, I never, ever. And it's not that I'm anti-union cause I was all pro-union. I put the IFF sticker on my car when I got hired. It was, I was all proud of it, but never, ever am I going to allow the union to dictate my decision. I'm, I'm in the position to make the decision. They're in the position to offer suggestion. Um, but don't say, cause I said so you have to be decisive. But then when someone calls you to carpet and they will understand that you have to own your decision and, 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 you don't have to overly explain yourself to people because then, you know, then they're puppeting you, you know, but, but you do owe them an explanation because it, the, the decision affects them. So be willing to educate them, inform them, be willing to have enough conversation that's relevant. I stress on that word relevant. Sometimes you're going to get to 10 percenters. Who do I mean when I say the 10 percenters? I mean, that you know, the people that they, they like to just, you know, do nothing they make no contribution. They offer no suggestions, but they cause the most heartache because they run their mouth the most, right? Um, so sometimes the ten percenters are going to try to call you carpet. If there's no relevance or purpose behind what they're saying, and they're just using this opportunity as a soapbox thing to to show off in front of everybody else, you don't owe them an explanation. Fuck them. Discard it. But if it's somebody that's relevant, if it's a relevant question, if it means something that you know people need to understand, be willing to be transparent. And give them the information that they deserve. Don't just say, you know, wow, because I said so. Uh, we never liked it when our dad did, did it to us when we were seven. So if you're a grown ass man, you're certainly not going to like it when one of your peers at the end of the day, whether he's the fire chief or not, he is a peer. He's a firefighter. He's a grown man. You are not going to like it when he says to you, because I said so. So be willing to be transparent and give people, offer the information that justifies why you came to the decision you made. However, don't overdo it. Because some people don't deserve an explanation. Some people are just trying to call you to the carpet because they want to make an embarrassment to you. And you just sit there and be stoic. Just, mm -hmm, okay, got it. Anyway, anybody else? That's how I do it, you know. All right. You got to know when, you know, people are just poking the bear just to try to get a a rise out of you, right? Just trying to throw rocks. And and those that 10%, those are the people like, those are the mutts, man. Those are the people that no matter what you do, they're going to bark. They're going to throw rocks. They're going to tear right. down. They got a shitty attitude. They're there for a pension and a paycheck. They don't give a damn about the job. They don't care about anybody but number one. Like those in every department's got them, man. Every department, like, like, like disclaimer, like this is not calling out any one department. Like they're all out there. Like, but at the end of the day, like those people aren't worth your time. They're not worth no. the conversation. Right. But if someone legitimately has concerns or questions, like, like you said, take, taking the time to give why 
and even if people don't agree with it, as a grown man, I can respect that. If you come to me and say, hey, this is why I made this decision. This is These are my reasons, right? And, and I believe in this decision. You know what? If I, if I see that you're sincere, that you're genuine, that you truly believe what you're doing is the right thing, even if I don't agree with you, I can respect you, right? I don't right. have to like the decision, but I can respect your decision. And I think like that's lost in a lot of the fire service, man, is people, you know, there's a lot of people out there in leadership positions that, you know, they don't want people questioning them. They don't want people like calling them on the carpet. Like you said, when they make decisions, like that's, that's part of putting your big boy pants on and being a leader. Like you just got to be willing to, you know, understand like people are going to question like when you make decisions, but, but if you can back it up, you know, stand by your decision, right? If, if they're genuinely trying to ask why, and they genuinely just want to, you know, or have concerns. Like you gotta, you gotta be willing to to listen to those, right? And you gotta be right. willing to hear them out. But like I said, you know, you don't have to agree on everything. Like that's that's there's this misconception that, you know, if your guys don't agree with everything, and you you know they don't they're not bought in and all this stuff. Like, look at man, you're never gonna make a hundred percent of the people happy a hundred percent of the time. That's impossible. Like if you're making decisions and you're trying to make you know positive growth and change in an organization, you're never going to make anybody happy. Hell, I can't even make everybody in my household happy at one time most of the time. I mean, like it. I mean, my daughter's going through puberty. Like half the time, I don't, you know she's she loves me, and then then the next thing I know, she's like she's mad at me. I don't know. I mean, you know, I mean, it's I'm it's, in the it's, early stage of this. I'm laughing because my daughter yeah. is is ten. She's you know she's. She's uh, like uh, 10 and, and three, 10 and four months, whatever. So it hasn't happened yet, but I know it's coming because <laughs> oh, the mood yeah. has changed. And I'm uh, like, oh, man, like this is going to be terrible, you know? <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I, it's funny because, like, you know, hearing stories about this stuff for years, you know, guys like, oh, wait till she gets to that age, you know, and she's starting to go through all that. Man, and I was like, I look at my wife and I was like, where did that attitude come from? Right. <laughs> like, it's just, it's just, but, like, like it, honestly, though, <laughs> like, you go to the firehouse, I mean, I joke all the time that, that the firehouse is worse than a soap opera sometimes, man. Like some uh, of the drama, some of the drama, it's, it's some guys love that. They get off on that stuff. You know, they get off on the drama. They do, you're right. <laughs> misery it's loves like, company, man. They, I yeah. feel like they were, they recruit people to be, to commiserate with them sometimes. Oh, there's, there's, there's no doubt. It's <laughs> no doubt. So I want to go, I want to shift back to, uh, you know, we're talking about, you know, finding your niche a little bit ago and, uh, obviously for you, the training officer thing uh, was something you got really passionate about and you really found kind of found yourself, your groove, if you will, in the training officer role. Uh, I would be remiss if we didn't touch on this for a few minutes. And, and I just yeah. pick your brain a little bit. And, you know, obviously you're passionate about it. Obviously training is such a, you know, a way for us to, to bridge the gap with our people, right? And to, and to make the organization collectively better. Uh, but I want to get, uh, I want to, I want to know. Like you, you're, you got a class called. Uh, do you have what it takes to be a training officer? Right? Going to be teaching at FDIC, yeah. yeah. Uh, I want to know though, what does it take to be a good training officer? Like in your mind, <laughs> when you're looking at this, what does it take? So, uh, so again, great question, right? So, some similarities to the question about the leadership thing. Um, so I actually, uh, in, in my book and in my class, um, I have, uh, the training officers top 10, and I feel like they're the top 10 things that you need to have, uh, for what it takes. Um, so one of them is you need to be a student, uh, no matter if you're the training officer or not. So like the thing that I got good at with training, it's a misconception. People think like, uh, like, oh, well, you know, that. Dave McGlynn, like that guy, you know, he's, he's the training guy, you know, he knows, he knows like, Hey, uh, you know, my guys are going to train on this. Like, I don't know what always works for your organization. I, I know people 
I know that I'm passionate about developing people. Um, and I know how to analyze and assess multiple departments because I've been in multiple departments in what their needs are for their mission. So I've developed training off of those things. So that's the kind of stuff I need to pass on. So, so you need to be a student because where I was going with that is I don't know everything. I don't know shit. You know, I don't, there's a lot of stuff I don't know, a lot of stuff that you don't want me teaching, um, which is why you should be a student. You need to be a student of our craft. You know, you need to continue to go to classes, sit in on classes, workshop with people, network with people, talk to people. Um, you need to be a leader. You need to understand that being a training officer is being a leader. You need to be able to understand how to lead a class. If you can't lead a class, then you're not training anybody, right? So, you know, it would be the same as if you're the incident commander and you're letting, you know, somebody else make decisions on how the, the scene runs. Are you really in command then? You know, it's the same thing when you have those people that are those know-it-all students uh, hijacking your class content. No. You know, like like uh, like Adam Sandler says in Wedding in Wedding Singer, like I have a microphone and you will listen every word I have to say. You know, I'm the training officer. I'm I'm leading the class right now. It's open dialogue. I'm going to be open to suggestions. I'm going to be open to corrective measures if I have something that's either outdated or wrong in there. But nonetheless, I'm in charge. It's my class. I'm leading the class. Which which the the next piece is be prepared. People need to be up to date. Uh, don't have out of date content and sit there and stand in front of a, a PowerPoint and death by PowerPoint, read word for word or have your back to the audience. I mean, that's just, you know, nobody, nobody is going to retain anything because you didn't take the time to learn the material that you're trying to teach to them. So why should they learn it? That's literally what they're going to think. Uh, and you know, that be credible thing. You need to know what it's like to screw up on a drill. You need to know what it's like to, to you know, um, perform the task. If you're going to be running drills, you can't tell people to do something that you've never done because you don't know if it'll work. You need, you know what I mean? Just because you watch the YouTube video doesn't mean you can go and have your guys go and do a high line pickoff. Like, oh, I saw this YouTube video. So, hey, we're going to do high line pickoffs now. Like, the fuck you are, bro. Like, you need to know how to do that stuff, you know? Uh, um, you know, you need to be resourceful. You need to be willing to network, which, 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 you know, brings in that humility piece. We don't like to talk to our neighbors because we don't want to let them know that we don't know what we don't know. Bullshit. You know, I, I love to, any successes I've had in my career based off of me talking to other people and my, and the only thing that I'll give myself credit for is that I will even talk to them uh, where others aren't. If you're going to be a successful training officer, you need to be able to be resourceful. You need to understand, uh, the merit and the value in networking with people, getting information, uh, and also probably resources that, uh, that help strengthen your training program. Um, and then you need to be passionate. You need to love this. You need to understand suffering. You need to understand what it's like to fail. Um, and, and, and understand what it's like to, to want to do better. Um, you need to be passionate about your training program. Like I have a thing with my guys, I call it, we are the standard. You know, we have a lot of volunteer departments around us. And, and, and while we were always fixated on what they're doing, like, why are you so worried about what they're doing? Like not, not separating career and volunteer. Just I work for the DOD, you know, the department of defense, we're required a number of different certifications just to be a basic firefighter. Right. You know, uh, 
we have high high you know state of the art equipment. We we deal with uh, run into emergencies that have weapons of mass destruction and hazardous materials and and explosions and 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 also you know we we're pretty damn good at doing structural firefighting. So I'm like, we're the standard. So be passionate and instill that passion to everybody else that they believe in something that's bigger than what they already are. Make them aware of it. And then lastly, you got to leave a good legacy, man. I mean, like you can't do this with no purpose. So as a training officer, you have to have objectives, right? Well, your objective in the fire service and also in life is to leave a good legacy. In my personal life, my legacy is my kids. I ha I've been blessed with the opportunity to have children. If they turn out pretty good and they lead a successful and happy life, then that'll be my legacy. And I'm pretty proud of that. And in my fire service career, I want to know that I was somebody like not to be cliche, but that expression that we resonates with all of us that leave it better than you found it. Uh, when I left, I left it better than I found it. I found a gap and I found a way to, to, to develop people. But nonetheless, no one, when I leave, no one that matters is going to ever be able to say that I didn't care about people. Um, I tell my guys literally, uh, it's, it's, it's a, it's a joke. I mean, they, they know it throws them off. If I don't say, I love you when I get off the phone with them, I left West point and I was on the phone with one of the captains up there just yesterday, you know, him and I were on the phone. I left West point three and a half years ago and we got off the phone and love you, brother. And I'm like, love you too, man. Because, you know, uh, I just set that setting that I say it so much that anybody that's ever worked with me knows I say it and it's funny but I mean it. I literally love almost everybody. I, I, I emphasize those because some people I could do without. <laughs> I'm just being honest, but, but nonetheless, I, I love most of the people I've worked with and I mean it when I say it. So you got to leave a good legacy. Um, that should be objective in your life's purpose or in your professional purpose is like, leave a good legacy. Don't just show up and, and be a cogwheel. Have a re have a purpose. Have have a make a contribution. Do something, you know, so that when you leave, people have that reference to say, "Hey, this guy did this," and and that kind of helped. Man, I, I love that because you know, if you don't have a vision and have a purpose, like you don't know if, if you don't have a target that you're aiming at, like, man. I what are you doing, right? You're just throwing stuff out there. Like, I mean, are we just, I mean, to me, like, there's nothing worse than, than this helter skelter. We're just going to throw a bunch of stuff out there, diarrhea training, like, hey, do all these target solutions videos and do this company quarter drill or whatever. Like, like there should be a purpose. I mean, and, and that purpose has to be bigger than just filling ISO points, right? I mean, I get it. Those things are important. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but I, you know, talking to training officers, it seems like, you know, uh, there's a lot of guys out there that are frustrated because they feel like in a lot of ways their hands are tied, you know, that they have to hit certain ISO points and, you know, and, and all this accreditation stuff. And they're trying to hit these certain benchmarks. Uh, and it seems to be a common theme. I hear a lot of yeah. guys like trying to balance out the stuff they do with the stuff they want to do. Um, but I love the purpose thing, the big picture, having a vision. Uh, and, and another thing you hit on that I thought was really important um, was the fact that you don't have to have all the answers. Like people think you're the training chief. Oh, you got to have all the answers. Like you don't, you there's no way you could be the expert at every topic. There's no way. No, that doesn't mean you can't do your homework and get with people. Like you said, to reach out to neighboring departments or reached out to that guy organization, that is the, the go-to guy for that and picking their brain and putting stuff together. Like, you, but you, you know, this, this misconception that you have to be the master at everything to be a training officer, I think is, is, uh, 
it's out there. Like people get this mindset, like, well, you're the training chief. You tell us, well, like, Hey man, like I don't have all the answers. I'm, I'm not afraid to admit that. Like, Hey, if I, if I get stumped with something, I'm going to go find the answer. Like I'm going to get with somebody who does have the answer. But like one of the things that to me, like as a trainer, as an instructor, as a training chief, whatever, that'll just, that'll that discredit you quickly is if you try to act like you have all the answers, if you have you know, try to Buffalo people and tell them like, you know, make some stuff up on the fly. Like you're going to lose credibility pretty quick. Right. Well, people, listen, most of us are pretty good at sniffing that shit out. Uh, so like I have that thing, I, I, you know, I don't know if, 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 if you're familiar with it. So growing up Jersey, you know, we, a common sense Fugazi when you talked about somebody who was right. So I I have it in my class. Everybody, it's it's people love it's like the thing that everybody refers now about the class now. But you know, uh, I meant to throw it out there because it's something I say, and it just ended up being the sexiest part of the class. People say it that you know, everybody always says it now, but it's the truth. You know, you can't be Fugazi. And the fire service, we're a pretty special breed. Most of us can sniff that out. Uh, you know, we smell out uh, and expose when someone's in someone's full shit. Um, maybe not the back. Maybe initially uh, you buy some time into, into people thinking, okay, this is our training guy. I mean, like a year or more, bro, like guarantee you're going to be exposed because you're going to be responsible for having to spew out some kind of new content about something. And they're going to be like, the fuck did this guy just say? And, you know, and, you know, so you need to know. And that's why it's important. Uh, this wasn't one of them that I said, just throwing it out there just for, for listeners. Set yourself up with a cadre of instructors. Training academies have a cadre. They have a, a number of instructors, adjunct instructors and then full-time instructors. But nonetheless, they have cadre of instructors, which means that they have people that teach different disciplines, different things. The fire service, we are the world's problem solver. It is an infinite amount of disciplines that we are responsible to respond to. And we're never going to be able to be masters of all of them because we don't even know what all of them are because there's new shit pops off every day. With that said, you are never going to know everything because like we talked about before with shifting, you know, these SMEs to, to run in a different division. It's the same as teaching. I'm, I don't like teaching CPR. I could, I could give someone CPR. God forbid somebody had a heart attack in front of me. I some bro, I'll, I'll, I'll sit there and pump your chest, bro. A couple of ribs. I'm good with it, but I ain't teaching you shit because I'm just not the guy. I'm not the guy to do that. However, find the resource to get us the CPR cards every couple of years and, and, and the right person that is passionate about EMS to teach CPR. And that's what you need to do. You need to be willing to, you know, have the right people be the, you know, be the instructor of the SME for, for, for each discipline, you know, have a cadre of instructors. Your job is to facilitate and manage and, and, and plan and organize, not teach everything. I love teaching. Um, but I also don't teach everything because I know that it's not my job. And here's the, the flip side benefit to that. I don't mean to go on a, a tangent, just last part of this. Send it. You make future leaders. <laughs> you make future leaders. You make people better when they teach. If you're the one that's teaching everything, you're not giving everybody else an opportunity to show off their skill sets or grow. So 
you make some of the best leaders in your organization once you test them with teaching something. Honestly, it's 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 never not happened for me. That's how I can guarantee that that actually does happen. Yeah. Oh no. And and talk about the buy-in, man. Man, if you get your people involved and you know they got a passion for something, they're good at something, this is their thing, man, pride and ownership comes into play. Owner, mm-hmm. you know, that whole ownership of like, hey, this is this is you know something I'm gonna put work into because I care about this, you know. I'm you know, and I'm getting to let my skills kind of shine in the organization, right? Again, going back to leveraging your people for what the, you know, the, when they have strong suits, man, put them out there in, in a place where they can excel and and make a difference, right? And no, no matter the rank either, man. Like, listen, if you got somebody in your organization, you got a senior fireman that's on the back step that is like the rope guru. Like, it doesn't have to be a chief officer or a captain teaching right. ropes. If that's your guy, man, like, let that guy run with it and give him the support, you know, give him the, the support from the chief level position to make it happen, you know. And, and I think, like, that's one of the things that, uh, you know, I've seen over the years. And you got, you got the guys that involve themselves or, like, hey, I'm the training officer. I got to teach everything. Like, no, like, you can still facilitate and, and do your homework. Don't get me wrong. Make sure you have a good, a solid plan. But man, like if you got somebody that you can leverage and lean on in your organization or in a nearby department that you can bring in to to help to elevate the level of, of training for your people, why not? Right. Like that's right. That goes back to that networking and resourcefulness. Uh, and and so I got to you know, here's a question I had for you. So one of the things that I've kind of heard in, in recent years, obviously, with with a lot of budgets being cut and things like that, one of the first places you see budget cuts seems to be the training division. And I don't know why, right. like as an organization, like or as a service, well, that's one of the first places we want to take money. So a lot of guys are dealing with you know less than ideal resources, less than ideal funding. Uh, what are some like little tips and things that you found that like, hey, maybe ways to be effective with a limited budget, you know, ways to be effective with limited resources. You know, not everybody's got a multi-million dollar training facility. Not everybody's got, you know, millions of dollars in training budget to send people to classes or to do, you know, elaborate, you know, training sessions every, every month. Uh, you know, what are some things that you feel like guys can do to still be effective within their organizations to still deliver in, in education uh, on, a, on a kind of a tight budget, if you will? Yeah. So a uh, great question. So um, I, uh, there's a, there's a, a few different things, but I'll, I'll, I'll give one quick example and then I'll, I'll say a few other parts. So um, I, I joked, um, you know, we needed to, uh, we need to start building some props for, um, to, to strengthen our training program where I work now. And um, the, I joked after COVID, you know, I said the trees must have got COVID because the price went up, you know, all of a sudden we, we, wood was three times more expensive. So uh, we couldn't buy any wood. They slashed, the, they slashed the budget and we couldn't buy any wood. So uh, we found ways to get recycled wood. What does that mean? It means, you know, stuff that they took apart. We ended up having a D nail that was re, we could repurpose or whatever. Um, that's what we did. And then you know, we ended up getting some wood donated through networking with people and we were able to build props um, that were relevant search, search and drills, mass confidence things, uh, Denver prop, uh, Mayday trainer, collapsible floor, all this stuff. We didn't spend a friggin' dime on any of it, uh, honest to God. And we have the, this awesome state of the art shit that we didn't spend one dollar on. Um, so get out and look for shit. Uh, there's there that's a twofold thing you know it's a two bird one stone one get out of the firehouse and drive around your first do so you're doing area familiarization right 
But while you're doing that, people got shit out that people are throwing stuff out. There's a business, there's a lumber yard, there's a, a, a salvage yard. Go pull in. Every, everyone, every business owner wants to be able to hang up a, a, a certificate of appreciation from the fire department because that, you know, that, that it's bragging rights for them. They want a t-shirt and they want a challenge coin. So go and invest in t-shirts and challenge coins and, 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 and some cardstock paper early in when it's cheap. And keep that shit in a stockpile because eventually you're not going to have means to buy in the, the resources and the amenities that you need to provide greening. And then go out and network with people. And then, you know, you'd be surprised. Like, I'm telling you right now, like, I got Connex boxes, a whole shit ton of wood. Uh, they were tr throwing out a uh, an old office trailer. Uh, it, it's, uh, it's three rooms. It's like... Uh, uh, 550 square feet. We were able to, to use that. Well, they were going to throw it out. I was like, what are you doing with the office trailer? Like, oh, we're throwing it out. I'm like, I'll take this office trailer. Like, what are you going to use it for? So don't worry about what I'm going to use it for. I'll find something to use it for. Trust me. Bro, we stripped this thing out. We were able to build with all that wood that we got. We built, uh, like I said, we built a, a mass confidence co course. We built a, a, a rapid intervention course. And we have a Mayday prop. I mean, a, a Denver prop in there to do the Denver drill. And this is in just the office trailer that they were going to throw out. You know, uh, we got Connex boxes. We were able to, to get them stacked. Uh, we tack welded them. Uh, and then the firemen built rooms connecting these boxes to each other. We got good, you know, there's good saw training there. Uh, and then, so the camaraderie, the guys built it together. Uh, they, they, while they were building stuff, they're training on the tools that we have on the engine or on the truck or whatever, you know, <clears throat> um, and we built a uh, multi-purpose training sim uh, training building that you know simulates structure fires, search drills. It has an up and uh, upstairs and downstairs, so you can do basement fires. You can do second floor. We cut windows out, so we can do VES or VEIS. You know, which the I here's the here's the relevance. So I bought these doors for the house. My wife didn't like the doors, so one of them got messed up while I was trying to install it, so I couldn't return it. Well. I'm like, fuck it. I brought the door to the training building and now I can isolate so we can truly do VEIS so we can close off the road, a door that I had bought that my wife didn't like, you know, everybody has shit laying around at their house. That's that we're all hoarders by nature. Ask the guys if they have something they want to bring in, drive around your first do look for shit, uh, network with people, see if they're willing to donate stuff. It starts with a handshake and a smile. You just walk to a walk up to them, introduce yourself. Every one of these business owners, they love T-shirts. They love the certificate of appreciation. They love challenge coins. You invest money in that, that costs you 30 bucks, 40 bucks, and you get hundreds if not thousands of dollars of stuff that helps build your training program. Um, you know, those are things that I would do on these tight budgets. Lastly, network with other people. Uh, if you are partnered up or not partnered, if your neighboring department uh, is hosting a, 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 a training evolution or a certifi certification training, right? And they paid money because they had money left over, whatever, to, to have these people come in. Ask them if you can send your guys. Say, hey, you know, I don't have the money this year, but I'll budget for a class next year. So I'll offer your guys to come and take class with us if you can let my guys take class with your team this year. I did that with the, with the neighboring department by where I work now. and. 
literally just last week, their training guy sent me an email, said, here's my projections for 2024. So, you know, let me know if you're able to send some folks. I can, I can support five, 10, 15 guys, each one of these different classes. And then, and then, you know, you let me know what dates you have. This is something we started three and a half years ago, and now it's become the norm. So my guys get certification training out of it, and their guys get certification training on it. They pay one part of the budget to give, the, you know, to train their folks, but my guys get it also. And then I pay another part out of my budget. We're training 50 guys at the end of the year with certs through two departments' budgets because we just networked with each other. It's like, I mean, just you're stupid if you don't. Yeah, I love that. Um, you know, we're we're better collectively, right? If we can, you know, help each other out and and you know, both achieve more than we, you know, it's a synergistic effect, right? Collectively, we're able to do more than we would individually. And man, I love that. Uh, and, and the thing is, like you said, there's so many opportunities if you just get out in your district and look around, make you know relationships with people, uh, get out with these business owners, talk to these people. A lot of times, they're willing to donate stuff and help you out. Uh, and we get it too. Like we're, Hey, you know, we got some stuff here. You guys want this instead of being like, no, we don't want it. Like, you know, build that, that bridge, man. If people are willing to bring you stuff and say, Hey, I got some lumber, I got some hardware, I got whatever, you know, you go talk to the locksmith. Hey, if you get some old locks, you know, we'll do some right. do lock trading and stuff like that. Or you go down to, you know, the, the warehouse, the department store warehouse there, whether it's, you know, whatever your hardware store is and say, Hey, you know, if you guys get any messed up, you know, call lumber or doors or things like that, like all that stuff, man, if you let them know that you're looking for that stuff that maybe they can't resell because they got a little dinged or whatever, like it'll be, you'd be surprised like how much you can do with, with just building those relationships and they'll think of you next time, you know, they get some stuff that's kind of messed up, but it's still good. They'll be like, Hey bro, you want to come get this stuff? Yeah, absolutely. Dude, you know, dude, I don't mean to cut you off. Literally. Every single time, it's not, it's like, it's funny, but because my network's huge, I I have the guy at the salvage yard. I have, uh, you know, working for the DOD, we have things that get turned in, uh, to, to one of the yards on the base, right. That they turn stuff in and before they put it back out for, um, for, for, um, it to be bid on and, and auctioned off, the government loves to repurpose it because after it's all said and done, they don't really make much money if they list it to go for auction. It's actually, it, it almost costs them money. It's not advantageous for them. I get text messages from all these different people. They're like, Hey, we got a, a, a you know, a skid of wood co uh, come in that we don't need. Can you use it? Yep. Hey, you know, this new trailer came in that's getting turned in from the Navy base. You guys want it? Yep. The, you know, the guy that owns the salvage yard that has nothing to do with the arm. I gave him a t-shirt and a, and, a, and a challenge coin. Now every year he's He'll text me, hey, chief, I got a Winnebago. You guys want to cut that up? Fuck yeah, I do. You know what I mean? Seriously, cost me nothing. Uh, you know, so it's like you build these relationships with people. Our training never never does without now. Our, our, our department never does without now. We have all these different resources. The guys, yeah, you know, I had to get, I had to ask for a couple more Connex buses just to stow shit in because I stockpile stuff now. I won't even notice stuff because, like I said, Bro, we have more wood than we know what to do with now at the fire department to the point that the guys are like, we got more wood. I'm like, yeah, because I'll send them down. I'm like, hey, we, we need to go down. I didn't put nothing on a training schedule today. I need you guys to go down there and denail wood, you know, pull all these, all these old boards. Like, geez, man, you know, how much more wood do we need? I'm like, hey, remember three years ago, we couldn't buy any. So this is why you have it, you know? So, like, you know, 
Never say no because then people won't give you stuff like you said before. Two is like, I'm telling you, I'm living proof, like just networking with people, just handshake, smile, T-shirt, challenge coin. Bro, your training will do, will, will, will not, will want for nothing. Will want for nothing. Oh, you're, you're muted. I, I couldn't hear you. I'm sorry, brother. Here. Nope. Helps if I unmute myself. No, I, uh, <laughs> you're, you're spot on, man. At the end of the day, I mean, uh, sometimes you just got to be resourceful. Look, you know, look for opportunities uh, and, and build those relationships that, you know, that's solid, solid advice, man. Um, so we've been at it now for about an hour and 40 minutes. Uh, man, hell of a conversation. Really enjoyed uh you know, getting after it with you on the, on the, on the leadership stuff, the passion, uh, the training, I mean, just so many great, uh, great little nuggets. I think that, you know, people listening to the show, I think will definitely be able to take away, man. Uh, as, as always, it's a good time, but, uh, this is kind of the segment where we kind of wrap her up here. And so we're going to do rapid fire and you can vouch for this. We haven't talked about the questions I'm about to ask you. No, uh, so no, not at all. Six, I have no idea what they are. <laughs> six questions. That uh, Dave is going to answer in rapid succession here, uh, off the cuff, and uh, so we'll have a little fun with it. Mm. Are you ready? I'm nervous. Yeah, I'm nervous. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I'm interviewing uh, so, right now. Uh, your wife, Oprah Winfrey, Barbara Watts. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to ask that question. The office where they talk about I would shoot them, where they would go each of their heads and kill Toby. Poor Toby, you know. Yeah. <laughs> So I don't know. I'll, I'll, I'll ask you some legitimate questions. <laughs> I, well, semi-legitimate. Yeah, right, here yeah, we go. Yeah. Question, question number one: If you had to pick one fire round, what would it be? What was the question? I'm sorry, you cut out. If you had to pick one assignment on the fire ground, what would it be? Search. Uh, I always like search. Uh, it's the thing that uh, I struggled with the most because growing up, I was the youngest of four. And I was afraid of the dark because my brothers traumatized me and they made me watch Friday the 13th and Nightmare <laughs> on Elm Street. Then they literally cut the power to my house while my parents were away on vacation in the Poconos. And they dressed with the Freddy Krueger mask in the hand, pulled me under the bed. Uh, and my brother put the flashlight under his Freddy Krueger mask and said, no running in the halls. Uh, and I mastered search to, to, to face my fear of, of the dark. Uh, so search yeah. has always been my favorite thing. I dig it. I dig it. That's. <laughs> I'd like to say that uh, I didn't have any of those experiences growing up. Uh, I was the older <laughs> brother, though, so I will. Oh, yeah. I will deny if my mom is, is listening to this. I will deny till the day I die. Uh, right, being city of brothers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. Question number two. Here we go. As a training officer, what is your favorite training drill you would do with your guys? Well, I, I probably just answered that before. I, I enjoy doing uh, search. Um, it's weird. I've been involved with engine company stuff for such a long time that I've gotten really good with engine company stuff, but I always like truck company stuff. Growing up in Jersey, the first department I belonged to had a truck, so I like doing truck work. Um, I like doing ventilation. I like training on ventilation, and I like doing um, search techniques, vent enter search, uh, searching down hallways, searching – uh, you know, deep seated fires. Uh, I love that stuff. So that's the stuff that I love teaching, uh, skill set wise, lecture wise. I'll talk about, uh, first arriving officer company officer stuff all day long. I, I mean, I could, I could do eight, you know, 
I could do four, eight hours easily on that because uh, I've had a lot of fortunate experience in knowing what works and what doesn't work as a first arriving officer uh, for lecture. But for uh, drills, tactics, uh, truck company stuff, search stuff. Yeah, yeah, solid, solid. All right, question number three. What is one book every firefighter should read? So, uh, there, well, there's a ton. There really is. There, there's a yeah. ton. Um, it depends. I, I, I don't mean to shy away from the answer because you, you said one book. But in Orthos, there's so many different things that you go through. There are a bunch of different books that help you. So Pride and Ownership uh, helped me a lot. Uh, finding my purpose and value as a firefighter and loving our job that much more. Um, Step Up and Lead helped me when I was a company officer. Uh, Command Presence, which is Frank Ritchie's new book, has helped me immensely because there's a lot of great information in there um, that covers both the managerial and the union side of stuff. Frank is very versed in that. Um, there's a ton of tactic books out there uh, also. you know. Um, uh, Jimmy Smith, who recently passed away from Philadelphia, had a, uh, a ta uh, strategies and tactics book um, that I still use to this day because it's a, just a really good book. Um, and then Champo came out with his book, the the, the Tower Company uh, or Tower Ladder uh, Tips and Tricks book that he just came out with, which is like I mean, it's like a friggin' you know, it's like a Bible. It's huge. Um, it all depends. There's a bunch of great people out there that have put out great stuff. I will say two books. Um, I hate to say it. It's not to not give them credit. I'm not trying to slight them. It's just because it's become cliche because they're both so famous in our thing. But Lasky, step, Pride, up in, uh, Pride and Ownership and, and, and Viscuso, Step Up and Lead, um, they both were very pivotal in my growth in my job, uh, in, in, in our profession, in our thing. Uh, I couldn't, I wouldn't, I would be remiss if I didn't say that. I hate to yeah. say it because it's become so cliche because they're both so famous. I don't think people, I think people didn't even read the book. They just know that they're famous. So they'll say their names. Yeah. I actually read them. That's why I became a fan of them. You know? Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, both, both solid books. Um, and I can tell you, you know, well, let me ask you this. Do you agree that the with the, the saying that leaders are readers? Yeah, that well, leaders should be readers at least. Uh, yeah, because some are some people are, are leaders, but the, the, you can tell they didn't read shit. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they're looking at the pictures. So right, it's all right. Good. Sniff, sniffing the crayons. Right. It's all good. Right. It's all good. Blue's my favorite flavor. <laughs> all right. Question number four, uh, what is one piece of advice you would give to uh, newly appointed training officers? Uh, I love this question. It? No, I love this question. I, 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 it's, so it's actually, I tell every one of them this anyway. I've been saying this consistently since 2015. Uh, so in 2015, I was a captain. We hired uh, a whole new uh, company of people. Uh, we hired um, 11 people. And, um, and as I got to meet all of them as a, as a, as a captain, um, I said this to them. And I, I have said this consistently since then to every new guy that I work with to this day. Um, I say, enjoy this moment. You know how you feel right now? 
you feel awesome. Remember how you felt when you got that phone call from either human resources or the fact that you got to get the phone call from the chief and say, we're hiring you. We selected you. And you know the feeling when you walked into the station and you're part of this and you got to buy the new uniform and hang your gear up on the engine or whatever. And they sit there and they, you know, that's okay. In the next 20 years, you're going to lose friends. Somebody's going to piss you off. You may get divorced. And there's going to be a lot of things that you're going to blame this fire service thing of ours on. And how you get through it is you look back at today and how you feel today. And that makes all of that worth going through. Well, I dig it. Yeah. Yeah. Remember why you got into it to begin with, right? You know, again, <laughs> going back to your why. I dig it. Yeah. Um, all right. So I'm going to change this question because you already answered it. Um, <laughs> position wise, you know, you've, you've held multiple positions to the fire service over your career. Uh, what has been your most rewarding and fulfilling position to date? Uh, I'll say captain because being a captain, uh, me leaving being a captain is a bad breakup. Uh, I didn't expect to get promoted at West Point, like I said earlier, right? And that was a chief's sure. position. Um, I was 33 when I became the training chief at West Point. That's young. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, I loved being a captain. I think that I was pretty good at it, and I think that I would have gotten better at it. I think that even to this day, like I'm right now, I'm in the chief's position in my organization. And I, I feel like we're doing good, but I feel like the thing that I was better at was being a captain. I just, I, you know, you got that, that core four guys that are assigned just mm -hmm. to you, you know, it's just, it's, I mean, that's such a sexy place to live, man. Being a captain yeah. was, was the shit for me. Nice. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Company officer, man, is, is such a, a great yeah. spot to, you know, on so many levels. Um, all right. Question number six, our final rapid fire question. What do you see as the biggest opportunity for the fire service going forward? Uh, opportunity. If you're looking into your crystal ball in the future, what are some yeah. things if we, we can capitalize on to take us to the next level? No, I have an answer for that. So just this, just what we're doing, right? Uh, so even with with uh, finicky Wi-Fi stuff aside, the fact that we can do this, okay, um, this is very uh, advantageous for us in the fire service. We have more opportunity to connect now and share information. So you and I, we know each other. We you know we stay in touch, but we're able to workshop and talk to each other and network with each other and talk shit. There are other people, hundreds, thousands of people who are going to listen to this. The, the internet, the one positive, okay, because there's a lot of things that aren't positive about that goddamn internet. But the one positive for our thing is this, is that we have found a way to be able to give information more and have a broader reach to more people than we were before. And that's beautiful. I think that we need to continue to, 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 to fine tune that, uh, and continue to, to, to deliver it. Just, you know, not taking away from yours, but just look at what fire engineering has done with the podcast. You know, uh, we, they now are doing, you know, we're now doing these video things along with the way they, they stream out on a bunch of different streaming services. Um, it's just, 
the technology piece of it, we have really capitalized on how to use that as firefighters. I love that. I love that we're able to connect with people literally all over and bring information to them. Our reach has gotten bigger because we, unlike a lot of different services and businesses out there, we found a way to use the internet to our advantage. Yeah, man, well said. Uh, I couldn't agree more. I mean, at the end of the day, um, the technology and the ability to network is better than it's ever been. The ability right. to get information, to share information, to disperse information is is out there. I mean, in labs in so many ways. Uh, and honestly, man, it's it you know the ability to gain knowledge and, and training now is is in a place that I never twenty years ago you know as a young kid coming out of high school and I started you know looking at career paths and I got on the job you know I mean it's hard to believe man I'm coming up nineteen years in March, uh, but it, it's it's hard to look back then you know to now and say holy cow like there's so many more training opportunities so more so many more opportunities to network to talk to people from all over to share ideas. Uh, more than I in a million years could ever imagine. And it, it has really made us better as an industry because there is such a flow of information out there now. And man, I couldn't agree more. So Dave, uh, man, it's been an awesome episode. I've, I've enjoyed the hell out of this conversation. Thank you for taking you. a couple hours of your day uh, and being patient with the technological uh, glitches we had early on. Uh, to get it's funny it, but, you're uh, perfectly clear right now. It would have been awesome if we started right now. <laughs> I know, <laughs> like right? You're so clear right now. <laughs> Go you're good man yeah, this was sweet. this was this was a shit ton of fun bro i loved it i don't care i i love it yeah man and i hope that the people that listened uh, uh you know even if they watched you know understand it this was a great conversation regardless so thank you yeah, man. no this is it's been fun uh as always it's always good to talk to you man i'm looking forward to spending some time with you here in the uh in the coming uh weeks and months um yeah. if people want to get a hold of you where, where can they uh get a hold of you at uh, thank you. Uh, so the name of the company, Passion in Leading All Together at Gmail. So uh, P-A-S-S-I-O-N-I-N-L-E-A-D-I-N-G at, at Gmail. Uh, and then I'm on Facebook. I'm on all the social media crap. Uh, you know, Dave McGlynn on Facebook, Passion in Leading on Facebook, Instagram, and then Twitter. Uh, it's, what the hell is it on Twitter? Chief underscore McGlynn, M-C-G-L-Y-N-N. I'm on all that. So uh, I'd love to be able to network with people, reach out to me. I'd love to talk, work, you know, workshop with you, network with you, whatever. I appreciate that. Yeah, man. Well, guys, listen to the show. Uh, if you got questions for, for Dave, please reach out to him. Uh, hopefully you come check him out at uh, FDIC in April. Uh, he's going to be up in Missouri at the Winter Fire School there. So there's North Florida Fire Expo. There's a million different uh, stops along yeah. the way there. But uh, Listen, don't, don't leave your there. thing out of it. I'll be down there yeah, too. Yeah. Know. Not not a million, but uh, but no, it, honestly, man. Um, you know, it's it's been a great time. Like I said, hopefully people will reach out to you. You know, come check out your class if they're at any one of those conferences. Uh, it's going to be a good time. But uh, thanks again for your time today, brother. Uh, have a happy Thanksgiving as we get uh, into the yeah, holiday season here, and uh, give your family my regards, my man. Thank you, brother. You too. I appreciate it, man. Have a great day, dude. You too. Stay safe. See you.